are on the line. Live on Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga and in Auburn on ESPN 1067 or online on FoxSports983.com and ESPNAU.com. You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Lance Daw. Join the show by calling in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7500. You're on the line with Noah Gardner and Lance Dawn, ESPN 106.7 at Fox Sports Central Alabama. Happy Friday, everybody. We're back in our home base, our studio in Auburn, Alabama, here on ESPN 106.7 at Fox Sports Central Alabama. Lance, how you doing today, my man? Fantastic, Noah. How are you doing? I'm doing really well. Not going to lie. SEC Media Days was a blast. I loved it. Feels good to be back home. Yeah, it was a, it was first time there, man. I mean, it was for the first two days, it was like it was surreal for me. I was just sitting there trying to soak it in the fact that I was actually there and that it was actually going on, and I was able to sit in it within press conferences and get to actually ask some of the coaches questions and get to see all these different people that you know you normally only only see on television. Get to be on Radio Row. It was just a surreal experience, and I'm really glad that I got to go. Same, 100%. Really well said right there. We want to thank all of our sponsors for making it possible throughout the week for us to be there in Birmingham. That's the Orthopedic Clinic, Redmont Vodka, and Kia of Auburn. Starting off our show today, number to call 334-321-1390. Text line 334-564-1840. However you want to reach into the show, that's how you can get in touch with us. We've already got some text, Lance. Hit us up with it. Yeah, so we got a couple of texts. One of them's a comment, and one of them is a question. I'll start with a comment, and uh, they they didn't they didn't give a name. They just said G. What, what that was that was at the end of the text. But here's the comment: I've been to College Station for two different Auburn games, and it was the best away experience that I've ever had. I've had discussions with Texas A&M fans about Texas, and it wasn't positive. A&M got out of the shadow of Texas, and they were so thankful to get into the SEC. Political baggage coming with Texas. I don't want them. Thanks, guys. The status of the SEC, actually, let me back up. I'm going to tackle the Texas A&M part of that. I don't want to go in the direction of Texas baggage because I think there are a lot of teams in this league that maybe have some baggage or have some drama that seems to follow them on a year-to-year basis. So I don't think that adding Texas really changes that. If anything, it may help to elevate the prestige of the conference. If that was even possible... With Oklahoma and Texas coming, it actually does kind of elevate the prestige of the conference. Once again, it's still the best league in the country without those two teams. So that's why it's a little bit weird to say that it could elevate the prestige of the conference. But when you say that there are 16 teams in this league and the two teams that are coming in in Texas and Oklahoma, that very much so makes it a super conference. So it does elevate the prestige of it. But to the Texas A&M comment, and we'll talk about this later on in the show, 100%. This is a nightmare for Texas A&M. They ran away from the Big 12. They ran to the SEC, which is a much harder league, but it was a major benefit for them to come to the SEC and get out from underneath Texas because they had an actual recruiting advantage with the pitch to these guys like, hey, you can come and play in the best conference in the country. You can come and play in the SEC. And we've seen Texas A&M's program prestige elevate over the last couple of years 
since they've been in the SEC. I, I can't even say the last couple of years. It's been nearly a decade almost. I mean, it's been like seven, eight years since they've joined the league. Actually, maybe even more than that. What what did they join? Like 2012? 2012 was when Texas A&M and Missouri joined. So nearly a decade, nine years they've been in the league. And I think across that nine-year time period, we saw Texas A&M's program prestige elevate to the point now where I think that their, their prestige is definitely not that of Texas. But across that nine-year stretch, I also think that we have seen Texas's prestige drop also right we're at a point now where Texas says almost every other year and we make jokes about Texas saying it's Texas back it's a joke now it's a punchline rather than it actually being legitimate for them to be back right and so Texas A&M has has grown and Texas has diminished at least in the national spotlight and we can see what a conference did for that that's about to be that's about to be not true because the pitch that you had there to say, hey, you can come and play in the SEC, when Texas joins, that's that's not applicable anymore. Texas can now have that exact same pitch. And it's a really weird dynamic there between Texas and Texas A&M because Texas A&M does not have the history that Texas has. They do not have the winning heritage, the winning pedigree that Texas has. And Texas has very much so been playing on their tradition, has been playing on their past because their current accolades at the moment, just simply put, once again, they're a punchline rather than a point of success, right? Because we talk about, are they back, right? They, they go and they play in, what was it, a Sugar Bowl a couple years ago? And Sam Ellinger says, we're back. And then guess what? They have two very subpar years, and now they've got a new head coach this season. So Texas, once again, has diminished over the last nine years, whereas Texas A&M has grown. But I think very much so, Texas coming into this league, no positives there for Texas A&M whatsoever because that competitive advantage that they had over Texas just by being in the SEC, that immediately, that that is bridged. Yeah, and another reason why Texas, I feel like, has been struggling uh, recently is because they can't get past Oklahoma. They can't get past Oklahoma in the Big 12. They can't make it to that Big 12 title game. And the Sooners are, are coming right there with them to the SEC. So it, it may, may create problems for uh, for Texas, and it also may create some problems for A&M. Those are two schools in Texas and Texas A&M that have a lot of money, have a lot of prestige. But if you're bringing in Oklahoma and you can't, it, it's going to... It's going to be interesting as far as the the top of the conference in terms of like the parity right now, right? Because we've got Alabama and Georgia, and Florida's kind of trying to make their way there, and Auburn's there every other year. But you bring in Oklahoma, and it it really shores up the top of that conference, and then you bring in a, a Texas, and Texas is somewhat of a wild card, just like Auburn. So I think it creates parity within the conference, uh, except for but but in terms of recruiting and in terms of like generating fan support and revenue and things like that I think it creates issues for Texas A&M yeah Texas A&M didn't even do much with the nine-year time period that they were out of the Big 12 they were a consistent eight win football team sometimes worse than that seven win football team you look at their last five years and this is getting out of the shadow of Kevin Sumlin still, but you go eight and five, seven and six, nine and four, eight and five, nine and one last year. Of course, last year was their best year, but nothing really materialized of it. Their their best season since they've been out of since they've been out of the Big Twelve came in a Johnny Manziel year and then in a COVID year, right? And I'm not diminishing what they did last year. They they still went on and won the Orange Bowl over North Carolina. Last year was a great season for Texas AM, but most of the time, Texas A&M was a four or five loss team across their nine years that they've been out of the Big 12. That's been what Texas has been. 
Texas has missed some bowl games, of course, but is a five-loss team every year? Did they really do much to close the gap? Did they really take advantage of being in the SEC? I think all of their benefits just came from being a member, right? They, mm-hmm. they just got to be a member of the country club. They didn't actually really have a whole lot of – they really didn't add a bunch to their prestige outside of that, though, just from being in the, in the, in the membership Texas entering now, once again, that it will no longer be applicable for Texas A&M to have that advantage on the recruiting trail for Texas. Complete nightmare for Texas A&M to see Texas, their rival, coming back into the league. So now, me, for me, I love it because I get to see that, that rivalry again, which okay. was so fun to watch on Thanksgiving almost every year. Let me ask you two questions then. If Texas joins, does it benefit Texas at all? And number two, does that create other issues within the conference that we would not want? Does it benefit Texas? Yes. I think so. I don't see how staying in the Big 12 benefits them. I think you enter the SEC, you get a recruiting advantage to be able to say, now you get onto that level, right, where you might have been losing recruits in the past, which they really haven't. Once again, I go back to the situation that Steve Sarkeesian is walking into. People think that this team's not talented. You're wrong. Go and look at the last four recruiting classes for Texas on 24-7 sports composite rankings. They had four top 10 classes, two of which placed in the top three. And those top three classes now are reaching upperclassmen level. They're, they're either sophomores or juniors or juniors and seniors. I, I can't remember the exact years, but they're reaching that upperclassmen level now at Texas. The talent is there. So even in that realm, Texas A&M hasn't even out-recruited Texas with this so-called advantage that they've had with being in the SEC. But now Texas does have the ability to say, hey, we play in the best conference in all of college football. And there's a little bit more legitimacy to when they win games in the SEC than when they win games in the Big 12. Now, with that being said, if the trend continues for Texas, because Texas has been an average football team in the Big 12. They have been an average football team. They have been an eight-win, nine-win team in the Big 12, losing four or five games every year. Some years even missing bowl games when you go back to the Charlie Strong seasons. Texas has been an average football team of the Big 12, caught up in the common rabble of a, a, you know, the third or fourth best conference in college football most years. If they come into the SEC and they do the exact same thing, is you know, I, I think it is an important question that you just asked. Is it a good thing for them? And, and I, I and I don't think we'll know until until they actually get in the league. Okay, so let's quickly let's go to the uh, the other text that we got, and this is a question, and I think this is a very there's a very easy answer to this question, so this won't take long. Out of the four new head coaches in the SEC, Brian Harson, Shane Beamer, Josh Heupel, and Clark Lee, who has the best chance to finish the season with a winning record? Go back through that again. The four new SEC head coaches, Harson, Beamer, Heupel, and Clark Lee, who has the best chance out of those four to finish the season with a winning record? Obviously, this is a, this is a no-brainer. Right, this is a no-brainer. And it's Brian Harson for me, most talented team of that group. You're looking at Josh Heupel, Clark Lee, and Shane Beamer. Two of those teams are literally the two worst teams in the SEC. And so basically, I'm having to bring this down to between Tennessee and Auburn and you just have to compare the experience between the two teams. First of all, Auburn's vastly more experienced than Tennessee. Tennessee had 25 guys go out through the transfer portal since October. That's the most out of any team in FBS football. Auburn, easy. I don't even know if I have to defend that. <laughs> yeah, that, 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 We do that appreciate me. the text, though. Yeah, we do appreciate the text, but that for me, I mean, you got to go with Auburn and Brian Harson, of course. 334 334- 564-1840 is the number that I'll text you into the show and call in at 334-321-1390. We are taking your calls 
all day long here on On the Line, 2 to 4 p.m., and then it'll be the drive from 4 to 6, and they'll be taking your calls as well. I'm going to go back to SEC Media Days. Yesterday, Auburn took the main podium, day four of SEC Media Days, and uh, I, I want your takeaways. Well, it's something that, that is brought up whenever you hear a lot of different people talk about Brian Harson is how detail-oriented he is and how much he just likes to break down stuff, and he likes to talk. The man likes to talk and cover all his bases instead of being asked the questions. He wants to tell you everything about what's going on instead of having to be asked about everything that's going on, and he was incredibly detail-oriented in his uh, opening statement. I believe it was about 15 or 16 minutes, and uh, the media only had time to ask him three questions, and I actually was that third question uh, before he was let out of the main room. Um, but yeah, every single question that was asked out of the three, he was he was very fluent in his response. He had a very strong response to it, and I really liked what he had to say about me, about the culture that he's bringing in. And uh, yeah, I think all, all those guys, Harson, Papo, and Nix, had very, very good things to say about Auburn. There was nothing there that I was like, mm, maybe this is a concern for the future. Like, mm, maybe this is something that they're doing wrong. This is something that we've talked about all offseason. Every single thing that this coaching staff is doing seems like the right thing to do, right? It's just we need to see them continue to implement that plan, especially in recruiting. But they're doing all of the right things, it seems like. And SEC Media Days was just a re- reassurance of that. It seems like they all, they all have an extreme respect for the process in which that they do things, for preparation, for everything that, that, that they do on a day-to-day basis in order to prepare to win football games. It seems like they have an extreme respect for that, and I, I think that's an incredibly good thing for this fro- program because it seems like it's going in a vastly different direction than the previous coaching staff had them going. Yeah, and uh, something a couple of interesting things I do want to point out that I think were worthy of note is that uh, Brian Harson casually mentioned about, uh, that uh, Gus Malzahn kind of threw him under the rug uh, back in 2013 whenever Arkansas State came to play. Uh, said that uh, Gus Malzahn had approved of Arkansas State wearing some light gray uh, uniforms and said that that would be perfectly fine and that there wouldn't be any issues or penalties to come with that. And then whenever the uh, Red Wolves got there and Brian Harson got there, Gus Malzahn was like, yeah, actually, I think I'll accept my 15-yard penalties uh, both at the beginning of the first and second half. So he he kind of pulled the rug out from under him. And then something else interesting that I thought uh, was worthy of noting is in his response to my question, I said, "Is is, is anything that you're bringing in different than what Auburn has seen in the past? And he said he didn't go and look at what this previous coaching staff was doing in terms of what their core values were, but he said he started studying this program and started studying what these players were doing. And he wants to figure out, you know, why guys in the past weren't, weren't, uh, weren't finishing, why they weren't showing up to practice on time, why they weren't doing things correctly. And he said, so that was definitely a problem in the past. Either the players don't know or they don't care, but the previous coaching staff didn't emphasize discipline. And that's something that he is going to emphasize uh, this upcoming season. And I I love that response. Let's take a quick break here. When we come back, we talk about the preseason SEC media poll that was released today. Has Auburn at fifth in the SEC West, pegging Auburn for its worst finish since 2015. We'll be back. You're listening to On the Line. Back on On the Line, Noah Gardner and Lance Dahl with you here on ESPN 106.7 at Fox Sports Central Alabama. Number to call 334-321-1390. We want to hear from you. What are your thoughts going on from SEC Media Days? What was your impressions of Auburn football at SEC Media Days? Takeaways? Preseason SEC Media Poll was released. Do you have beef with it? 
Rams. We don't like it. SEC Media Poll has Auburn at fifth in the SEC West. Text line as well. That's how you can get in touch with us. 334-564-1840. Once again, Auburn finishing fifth in the SEC West in the preseason SEC Media Poll as the ballot was released today. What was the vibe that we got from folks at SEC Media Days? Because this is pretty par for the course. Yeah, based on people that we talked to, different media media personalities and just different people that were just hanging out there, we got a lot of, uh, yeah, I'm putting Auburn at 5th, or yeah, I'm putting Auburn at 4th, or yeah, I'm putting Auburn at 6th. Uh, and I, just based off the vibe I got, I'm not necessarily surprised that Auburn finished 5th, but here's what frustrates me a little bit. You go and you look at the teams that, that uh, received a vote to win the division. Arkansas, who is projected to finish 6th, got a vote to finish to to win the SEC and Auburn has 440 total votes compared to Arkansas's 241 I shouldn't say votes I should say points I guess uh so I, I find that a little ridiculous uh so I'm not I'm not su- surprised by the fact that Auburn's fifth what I'm what I'm more surprised by is are, are the teams that that received a prediction to win the either just the division or the conference and Auburn just flat out didn't you know and I I don't know what went into the whole to that one person saying that Arkansas was going to win the West because one person said that South Carolina was going to win the East. Actually, one person said South Carolina is going to win the, the, the entire conference. That's right. Someone said that Kentucky would win the entire conference. Yeah, there was a total of, let's see, a total of seven different teams were picked to be SEC champion. Ole Miss, Texas A&M, Florida, Kentucky, and South Carolina only receiving one of those. Alabama and Georgia receiving the vast majority. Alabama was selected to be SEC champion this year blowout on the western division and then georgia blew out the eastern division as well i mean it's it's near consensus mm-hmm. when you look at west and east in terms of votes for who people are, or think are going to win these divisions and i think that that's very par for the course as well the vibe that we got at sec media days pretty much everybody that i talked to every person that i talked to i don't think i heard from a single person that they thought auburn would finish higher than fifth mm-hmm I don't know if I talked to a single person that that was non Auburn media related. Yeah, we talked to a, we talked to a lot of different people that would say like, oh, well, I have Auburn finishing here, and then they would say they would go on a tangent about how there are so many different positive things about Auburn, but they'd just be like, yeah, but we don't actually know a whole, whole lot about this team, so I'm just going to put them at fifth. And me personally, like I said uh, yesterday, I put them at fourth, not because I think they're going to finish there, is because I don't know. I just don't know. I don't know anything about this team. I don't know if they're going to be absolutely terrible, or I don't know if they're going to be fantastic. I want them to be fantastic. Take I a th- stance, the Lance. I think there's. there's there's a lot of evidence pointing to that they'll be better than that. Let's just put them in the middle and see what happens. That was for me. But I'll say this. I'm going to get on my soapbox here for a second. As the media, we can do better than than picking South Carolina to win the conference, guys. We're supposed to be we're supposed to be people that that are 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 covering this sport professionally. Let's not be picking South Carolina without a reason to win the conference, y'all. I understand that you have your a, a right to your own opinion, bruh. <laughs> come on Auburn didn't receive a single vote to even win their division come on we can do better than this I'm not even really irritated by the South Carolina and Arkansas stuff because you see that sometimes just not only here at SEC media days but you see it during AP voting where you see some weird stuff so I, I I'm not even gonna address it you know I'm just going to ignore it and not even take it seriously right but still I the Auburn vibe 
I, I just I want people to take a stance. You know what I mean? If if you stuck Auburn at fourth or fifth because you said you just don't know, and, and I know you were one of those people, and and once again you're entitled to your opinion on this, and so I'm not dogging it. I'm just saying I, I want people to take a stance. Put Auburn at fourth or fifth because you think Auburn's fourth or fifth in the SEC West. Put Auburn at second or third because you think Auburn's second or third in the SEC West. Don't just say. Yeah, I mean, just a lot of people just say, ah, we don't know, so we don't really want to make a prediction with this team. And I understand Auburn's got a wide range of possibilities, but I, I, I'm okay with being wrong and stepping out on a limb, which I, I had Auburn at second, which I very well could be wrong with having Auburn at second in the SEC West. I'm definitely in the minority, 100%, because that's a that's a three-spot deviation away from, away from what the consensus media pick is for Auburn. But just the the constant stuff that we that we heard from people was, we just don't really know what Auburn's going to do under first-year head coach Brian Harson. We don't really know anything about this guy. It's like, but at the same time, if you peg Auburn at fifth because you didn't know, like, d- doesn't that really open the the door up for you to be wrong too? Right? Like on the other side of things, like, aren't you already conceding? Maybe that that you're going to be wrong about it. I don't know. Am I am I off base there? I think that's fair to say, but I also think that whenever you look at this poll as a whole. I mean, the consensus is not completely off base. Regardless of, of picks to win the division, the the average is not off base, especially, I think, in the SEC East. I think that's, per- I think that's perfectly fine. The fact that, that uh, uh, Kentucky is picked to be third and Missouri's fourth, eh. I mean, you could, you could flip-flop back and forth between those two themes, teams, but I think overall, I think the Western and East divisions, the way that they were averaged out, I think it's fair. So who knows, man? Auburn could end up being fourth, and the people that picked it that way, including me, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'll be proven right, but I, it's not it's not more of a validation and and than just, eh. I just, it, averaged, it averages out in my mind. I, I don't think that they will be winning the conference. I don't think that they're going to be last. I think there are some teams that that are that are right there in the middle of the pack that could be better than them. I think there are some teams in the middle of the pack that could be a little bit worse. So fourth or fifth in my mind is is fair is fair to say. Now that's a stance. That's a stance. That that's more than saying somebody picked them there right for because they they didn't know. You know what I mean? That's saying well I expect Auburn to be average. But here's, which is a fair point. Here's the say at the same time though, like I don't know also some other things about some of these other teams. I don't know if Ole Miss is going to be really good this season. I don't know how good that defense is going to be this year. I don't know if LSU is going to bounce back. But my gut recently has been telling me that they will, even though I don't want it to happen. I actually had and this is gonna this is gonna upset some people probably. I had LSU as, at second in the West. I don't know. I don't. I don't know if if they are going to reach that potential. I just think, based off of what I heard at Media Days and based off of what I heard from other teams, I just think the middle of the pack in the SEC West right now is is undetermined. And te- I I had Texas A and M at fifth because I, I I I don't know what their ceiling is because I've not seen their quarterback yet. So it, there's a lot up in the air. So right do you now. have Auburn winning in College Station but losing in Baton Rouge? I have Auburn. I I, I didn't. I, I ran through the schedules and kind of did wins and losses, but I didn't predict. I didn't predict games. I just kind of predicted like about a mark of what you thought they would get to. Yes. Yes. I didn't. I I, I can go through. I I will go through before the season starts, and I'll do win loss, win loss, win loss, and then do that, and then who knows my my uh, my final bracket or ballot may be different than my SEC media media ballot, but um, 
I just don't see a path to Auburn finishing fourth if they if they win in Baton Rouge, right? And LSU finishing second, which I, like, and once again, I, I understand that. And this is purely for discourse and whatnot. I just I, w- I would imagine Auburn would lose in Baton Rouge, and that would send them on an average track. If LSU is going to finish second, I think they have to beat Auburn at home because if they can't beat Auburn at home, there are other games that are automatically thrown into question because they'll take an L to Alabama. Yeah, I, I don't see them beating Alabama this year, and so there's two losses right there in SEC play, and they're already sitting behind Auburn on that front. If they were to if they were to lose to Auburn, and then I, I with A and M at fifth, I would assume that Auburn would win in College Station, which Auburn yes. hasn't had any trouble winning in College Station. So it's at that point where where if Auburn wins in Baton Rouge, which was a big point of why I had Auburn at second in mind. I expect Auburn to win in LSU. If Auburn goes on and wins in Baton Rouge, I think they win in College Station, right? And now all of a sudden, the path to Auburn being in front of A&M and LSU is a lot clearer in the in the middle of the pack, right? And so that's how I rose Auburn to the top of it. I had LSU at third and A&M at fourth, and then Ole Miss at fifth, I believe. Or maybe I had it. I can't remember, actually, now. I'll go back and check. Maybe I, A&M and Ole Miss were right there after that. I can't remember which order in which I had those teams. I think I think that's that's also fair. I, for me, I kind of, again, I didn't gauge it off of wins and losses. If I were to say right now, if ESPN's FBI were to say right now, uh, uh, Auburn's chances, I would assume that they would have a tougher time winning in Baton Rouge, a place that they have not won since 1999, than on the road in College Station where they've had success recently. So uh, that was just, it was just kind of a gut shot feeling for me. This poll, the, the ballot that I put out was just a, it was just my gut yeah. reaction. It's not what I want to happen. It's not what I potentially like, like down the road could think happen, but it was just my immediate gut reaction. Like, man, I just, I just based off of what I've heard at media days uh, so far, like I, I, I see these, these different teams trending in different directions and the middle of the pack in the, in the Western division, I think it's just a, is, is a toss up right now because some teams could get hot. Auburn could get hot. LSU could get hot. A&M could find a quarterback and be really good. Who knows? Arkansas, not even close to, to winning the Western title. What, what is that person smoking? I'm kidding. I, I, I love you. I, I had, respect uh, you as a media, media personality. I had Ole Miss at fifth in the, in the SEC West A&M at fourth. Ole Miss, if they were to finish higher than fifth in the SEC West, it would have been the first time that they'll have done that since 2015 where they went 10-3. and three. And then in 2014, it was a vacated season because of Hugh Freeze. They were third in the West that year. They really have not finished higher than fifth that often in the last, you know, since 2000. So folks are predicting Ole Miss to do something that they typically do not do. We'll see if Lane Kiffin can get their guys there. We'll keep talking about that preseason poll as well as preseason all-SEC teams. You're listening to On the Line. Stay on the line. More of the show when we come back. Back on On the Line, Noah Gardner and Lance Dahl with you on ESPN 106.7 at Fox Sports Central Alabama. Number to call 334-321-1390. Text line at 334-564-1840. If you were filling out a preseason SEC media ballot, how would you have filled it out? And and be honest, don't, 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 don't allow bias to creep in there. Seriously, SEC media poll was released. Auburn finishes fifth at the SEC West. As well as we've also got the players, the all teams, or the all-conference team, was uh, put together, predicted by the media, or put together by the media. And Auburn places Tate Bigsby and Nick Brahms on the first team. 
Tank Bigsby, his first team was a pleasant surpri- surprise because we, uh, I, I, I don't know, we've seen stuff out throughout the offseason at, at this point that has had guys like Kevin Harris, Isaiah Spiller, even Jerry and Ely placed a, a higher than Tank Bigsby going into this year, not just pff seemed like the only place that i saw that was so high on tate bigsby that they would have had him number one but the media they came around to it tate bigsby was the first running back listed first team all sec then it was isaiah spiller the other back with him kevin harris and amir white were second team and brian robinson and chris rodriguez jr were third team the kentucky guy getting the nod over some other backs in this league that i think have gotten it that, that i think could have gotten in there especially jerry and ely jerry and ely was left out but Nick Brahms was a massive shock. I did not expect to see him first team SEC. Yeah, I was really happy about Tank Bigsby because I am a little biased. I did put Tank Bigsby as my number one running back on my ballot uh, just to see where he would land. And I'm happy that the media, everybody else came around to it. Uh, but yeah, Nick Brahms as the best center in the SEC. You know, there weren't a whole, whole lot of options that I felt really confident in outside of Brahms on the ballot that I was like, yeah, those guys are definitely like the best in the SEC. I didn't I didn't put Brahms uh as my as my number one guy. I actually had uh I had uh how do I pronounce his last name? Michael Maietti. I yeah, think that's where I would go with it. From uh from Missouri, Michael Maietti uh from Missouri, he was my number one and then my number two was uh, actually Ricky Stromberg from Arkansas and he was uh the second team uh, selection there at center so yeah I'm a little surprised by Nick Brahms uh, I honestly could have gone with uh, the the guy that actually tied for uh, third team uh, Ben Brown I could have put him at my put third Ben spot. Brown on mine yeah so I, I not to hate on Brahms because I think he is a, he's a, he's a, he's he's a good player man he's an SEC caliber player uh, I just didn't think that that uh, the media uh, would uh, put him at, at at number one man Bo Nix got third team all SEC quarterback only now there reason. weren't but there weren't a lot of selections at quarterback either it was all pretty much returning starters exactly so that, Bryce Young was not an option yeah the only reason that Bo Nix was picked uh third team all SEC is because the the uh the options that the SEC gave on the ballot were uh were, were returning starters from last year and the guys behind Bo Nix were like Connor Basilak and Will Rogers and people are picking Nix I think over those guys now looking at the the likelihood that that actually occurs do you think that you know you know, is that possible uh, okay better question it of course it's possible it it could happen but will it happen will he get onto an all-conference team at the end of the year which would be four quarterbacks mean it would mean it would mean a, a quarterback in front of him would have to just collapse and that would have to be either daniels corral young and am i am i missing someone Emory Jones, Emory I think, Jones, is, a, I think is, is but Emory Jones isn't on this list either, though. It's surprising, yeah. Um, I'm gonna say no. I'm gonna say no. It's not going to happen. I think there's a lot of uh, I think there's a lot of quarterback talent in this league, and you know there's not a whole lot of returning production at that position. But I think there are a lot of stars that are ready to make a move. So I, I, I will say that. I will say Knicks will be on the cusp of it, but I don't think that he will be one of those three or four selected. I think he's top half in the league. I think he's top top five. I believe I had him at fifth in my, my quarterback rankings that we did a month or so ago. That's right. We both had him in our top five. He talked about his improvement at Media Days. We've got a soundbite about his improvement and what he's been learning under Mike Bobo. Let's take a listen to that. 
I've been in a few different offenses. This will be my third different offense, third different um, offense coordinator. But it's exciting because I've gotten to learn and grow so much with each individual coach. Um, and I knew coming in, I mean, my dad was a college coach, so I knew coaches would come and go. But obviously, Auburn is there to stay. Um, and so I chose Auburn um, because I wanted to go and grow as a person. Um, and, and just grow as a player. Um, and I knew Auburn would do that for me. So um, the past few years, um, really in my college career, um, I've grown a lot. And I've grown in ways that I didn't even know um, I could grow. And um, one of the main ones is, is just how um, tighter windows and how different the difference of, of high school and college how the speed of the game is so much different um, so going into year three I've seen a lot of football I've seen a lot of defenses um, I've played against some of the top defense coordinators top defenses in the country um, and that's continued to just add up and build um, to where now I feel as confident um, as I ever have been. I, I can get back there and get set, know where to go with the ball. Um, I feel like this offense, Coach Bobo has done a great job of, of when you get this, you're going here. When you get this coverage, you're going here. And this is your answers for all this. So this offense, um, we have a bunch of answers um, that I'm really looking forward to. And I know where I'm going with the ball. Um, and we're doing different protections and we're doing different formations, just very multiple um, as an offense to where maybe we can get an advantage over defenses um, and we can keep the defense on their heels and, and I can continue to play fast, put us in the right play um, and, and make those throws that um, will separate um, quarterbacks from, from the college level to the pro level. These are everything. These are all the things that I wanted to hear. Sounds like he's focused and enjoying the offense, no? Sounds like a certain Twitter prediction. Uh, hey, if, in all seriousness, though, you remember how I said yesterday that, that Mike Bobo and this coaching staff, they need to give these guys answers to the test. And that's literally what Bo Nick said. It was like, we have the answers now. I have the answers to how to figure out things because Mike Bobo is literally telling me, listen, if you're, good, if you're in this, you go here. If you're in this, you go here. If, you, if you're trying to do this, this is what you need to do. And, uh, yeah, uh, it, we, we can set all the Twitter jokes aside, but something that Nix does need to do is he needs to focus on his different options in this multiple offense, and he needs to be making better decisions. He needs, he needs to be paying attention to what's going on. In his junior season, uh, playing in the SEC, he should be able to do that, and I would expect with a, co a coordinator like my, Mike Bobo, he will, and I like how Bo Nix talked him up. Auburn had three players on defense with Zacoby McLean and Smoke Monday listed on the second team and Owen Papo and Roger McCreary on the third team. Is that about right? I was a little shocked with Smoke Monday. What did you think? I think Owen Papo deserves to be second team All-SEC in terms of their, the linebackers there. Uh, I think he is an exceptional talent. It's not be, it is not because we talked to him and I'll, I'm just hyped up because I got to speak with him. I was high on this guy the moment that he came to Auburn and he was playing in his first game against Oregon. I really like him as a player. I think he is he is our most versatile linebacker. I think he is our most talented linebacker. I think he he understands the defense uh, as as good as good as anybody else on this on this team player wise. Uh, I think he deserves to be second team. I think he is too good of a talent uh, to to not be there. And you look at the two guys, that three guys that are ahead of him, McLean, Ventrell Miller from Florida, and then Grant Morgan from Arkansas. This is not a knock on McLean because he is an excellent linebacker as well. It's definitely definitely a strength for the Tigers. I just like what I see from Papo, and I kind of like what I see from Papo better than Grant Morgan. I'm not going to lie. 
Alabama had all three of their linebackers get onto the first team, which I thought was a little ridiculous because the odds of that actually happening at the end of the year, I just I'm not convinced. Henry Toto was the first one actually listed. Then it was Christian Harris and Will Anderson, and that, I think that's a big part of why maybe Owen Papo wasn't able to climb up that list a little bit. But it was also reported out there Cole Kubik had a tweet that said supposedly Owen Papo ran a sub 4 40 yard dash what now that's possible when you talk about him being around 220 pounds and he is a um you know he he, he I mean they're running backs so they're 220 pounds they can run a 4 40 right like that a sub 4 4 I mean it's not often but it's possible it's just you don't typically hear about linebackers doing that yeah, again, I, I don't. I this is something that you said before we went on air. Is uh, I don't. I don't know if that. I'm not saying that Papo is lying, at all. I am just saying that I am surprised by that, and I'm pleasantly surprised by it. And I think it goes back to what I was saying about Papo. I think he is an exceptional athlete, and if those things are true, and he can run a sub four point four. There you go. More reason to put him at second team. I think he is an exceptional linebacker, and he is going to do very well at the next level. Let's take a listen to Owen Papo as we uh, take a dive in on what his what type of upside he can have this season and uh, about that strength and conditioning program as well, about uh, how that's improving his game. Yeah, we're going to be in a uh, 3-4 defense, so we're going to be in our three-down stuff a lot more. Uh, we also still do got some four-down stuff, too, so it's going to be some similarity. It's actually, even with the 3-4 stuff, as far as you know, coverage goes, there's still a lot of similarities between uh, his defense and um, Mace's defense and Steele's defense. So um, as far as transition goes, you know, guys picked up on stuff really fast, but it's not going to be too different, but um, there, there still is some differences. That clip talking about the changes in the Auburn defense from Derek Mason, how can that help him as a linebacker this year to improve well something that he said was that it's not really changing a whole lot in terms of in terms of the type of defense that he's going to be running as in terms of like improving as a linebacker I don't really know if there's a ton that he can do something that he said to us uh yesterday is you know just trying to get a couple more interceptions and make some bigger plays and make sure that he's he's uh, out there in coverage a little bit better and I agree with all those things but I mean he's at the top of his class in terms of linebacker talent I mean he's up there so if there if there was something I would have to pinpoint I would just say being a little quicker in coverage that's that's the, that's the only thing that I could say to 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 uh to to if I were to critique his game oftentimes that is what he's pointing out as well and, and what will be scrutinized probably the most when you're looking at him as a draft prospect this year is can this guy cover because if he can we saw a similar player in Notre Dame linebacker Owusu Koromoa that was drafted the Cleveland Browns was a potential first round prospect got drafted in the early second round an absolute steal and Owen Papo is very similar to him in his build watch Owusu Koromoa this year in the NFL because he will play potentially even start for the Cleveland Browns and you'll see a very similar player to Owen Papo and what Owen Papo's upside could be this upcoming year in college football let's take a quick break when we come back Alabama plays six defensive players on the first team is this legit is this deserved and if so this Alabama team this Alabama defense gonna be scary you're on the line with Noah Gardner and Lance Dawn ESPN 106.7 at Fox Sports Central Alabama about eight minutes left here in uh, hour number one here on ESPN 106.7 at Fox Sports Central Alabama, looking at this 
preseason All-SEC teams. Alabama plays six defensive players on the first team. Is this legit? And if so, how scary could this defense be for the Alabama Crimson Tide? Of course, the first team defense did come out. Fedarian Mathis for Alabama on the defensive line. All three of the linebacker spots taken up by Crimson Tide players, Henry Toto, Christian Harris, Will Anderson Jr. And then two of the four defensive backfield spots go to Josh Job and Malachi Moore. Not not incredibly surprising for the secondary players in Fadarian Mathis. Uh, but you know, like you said, it is a little it is a little ridiculous that every single Alabama linebacker uh, got got picked for first team all SEC. Um, but man, we uh, we went through our SEC our Auburn schedule analysis, and uh, just a, just a few days ago, we were breaking down Alabama and that linebacking core. And I mean, they've got some talent, man. That entire defense and Kool Aid McKinstry uh, is another guy that's uh, going to be able to uh, to shine in this Alabama secondary. And you talk about, you know, it, it, is this defense legit? Are they going to make a step forward, man? That's what I've been saying for for a couple weeks. Is I'm afraid that they're going to take a step forward and they're going to get back to where they were back in. 2012 and 2013 like they're going to be a force to be reckoned with do you remember that 2015 team that was just that just thrived on turnovers and defensive touchdowns I'm afraid that we could see something like that this year you think about Henry To'o and think about his ability to uh to shine in pass coverage and you you y'all we all remember that interception that pick six uh against South Carolina to open the 2020 season how athletic that was you think about you know some of these other secondary players Josh Joe, Malachi Moore, again, Kool-Aid, they're all going to be able to make make plays, man. And it is it is going to be a force to be reckoned with. I'm going to say somewhere around 17 points allowed per game. That's what I might peg Alabama at, which the last time that they did that or, or something that was less than 18 a game was 2017, but they had 11.9 points allowed per game. Ridiculous defense that year. Of course, the offense was still relatively underwhelming when they played good teams, but that's the real question about this Alabama team. I think it's more on the offensive side than the defensive side. This this defense is definitely shaping up to be nasty. Of course, they had some second teamers as well. LeBron Ray on the defensive line got second team honors after I don't even think he played last year, did he? Had 12 total tackles. I think he dealt with an injury last season, possibly. Only play only had four starts last year. Yeah, so didn't even I don't I don't even remember him playing the whole season for some reason and I mean LeBron Ray only had 12 tackles half a sack ends up second team all SEC here you look also second team all SEC goes to Jordan Battle at defensive back and then third team Alabama's DJ Dale last year DJ Dale had 22 tackles one tackle for loss two pass breakups at the defensive line spot he ends up third team and then Christopher Allen at the linebacker spot also landed 13 SEC. So a total of 10. 10 of the 11 players on the Alabama defense got all SEC. That's insane. That's four linebackers. That's four linebackers. That's the entire 3-4 defense. That's wild, man. That's literally, that's literally almost everybody. That's, they were missing one defensive lineman. That is crazy. Who, no, they weren't. They got all of them. My I was, bad. I was about to say. who. They were missing one defensive back. Who is it? The cornerback spot that, well, Daniel Wright's not on here either. Yeah, they don't have Daniel Wright on here, so it was, it was one defensive back was left off. Mm. That is, that's insane, man. That's insane. I, I'm 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 afraid that this defense, man, is uh, is going to get back to its old ways, and it's it's going it's going to be legitimate this season. It's going to be really really good. I think that that's going to be the the thing that leads the way for Alabama is is 
definitely on the defensive side of the football for them this upcoming year Auburn didn't do bad though either once again going through Auburn's list of players in the preseason all SEC team Tank Bigsby first team at running back and Nick Brahms first team at center no players on the second team Bo Nix got third team at quarterback go on the defensive side of the ball this is where Auburn showed up at nobody on the first team second team Auburn was able to get Jacoby McLean a linebacker and smoke Monday at defensive back and then on the third team you were able to get Owen Papo at linebacker and Roger McCreary at defensive back specialist out there nobody on the first team for either of these squads Alabama got Will Reichert on the second team for place kicker Tank Bigsby on all purpose for I guess return game and then third team it went to Anders Carlson at place kicker and that's it for for everything on special teams as well I'm curious I, I at the end of the year I'm not so certain that Tank Bigsby will end up in that category for all purpose or, or for returning and whatnot just because I, it's been so long since we've seen someone just be so electric at returning kicks for Auburn I mean it's been since like Chris Davis and that time period so I'm still like that that's one that I'll believe it when I see it also don't know if I want Tank Bigsby returning kicks no I, I, I don't think I do but I think everybody was just watching uh the spring game and they didn't they weren't paying attention to the fact that those uh kickoff returns that uh Shivers and Bigsby and them had uh were just kind of waved off they were just kind of let them happen a question I want to pose to you Noah as I'm, I'm looking at these uh these uh these defenses here and Georgia has a collective four players across all three teams. Auburn has a collective five players across all these three teams. I think the reason that Georgia doesn't have a lot is because they don't really have a lot of production and they, they don't have a lot of starters coming back off this defense. A question that I want to ask you is, if Alabama's the best defense in the SEC, who is the second best defense in the SEC? Texas A&M. It's from a collective perspective, but I think at the end of the year, you're going to see very much so. Well, Georgia's going to be in that mix too with Texas A&M, but, but the team that I'm going to say that I think could make a push to be up there for a second, I think Auburn really does have the talent. And I think they've got the right coordinator as well. I like that. I like that. It, will we, uh, will we, as we get closer to the season, give some uh, official power rankings for defenses and offenses, like some finalized thoughts as we we kick it off? Because I really like thinking about where the, all these defenses are going to rank. Because you'll have Alabama, Georgia, Auburn, A and M. I think are going to be some formidable units, and it's going to be interesting to see after we've gotten to talk to some of these players. You know, just to finalize some thoughts as the season gets closer. You know, we're only only like. 43 42 days away from kickoff isn't that wild it was just the other day man that we were sitting here talking about how we've we've got 100 days until kickoff man and and, and it's 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 flown by we are counting it down yeah and we just got a text from jeremy law of radio alabama sports also this is great and jeremy a little little with a little bit of trash talk here defense legit bro get ready that's <laughs> it's, it's it's true man i think this defense is going i think whenever you look back at the end of the season uh we will have a lot of positive things to say about this defense i think we'll get close to saying that yeah if we if i were to pick offense or defense for alabama which one performed better throughout the season i think we could be looking back and saying that the defense uh not necessarily carried but definitely held its own uh for the crimson tide and I think Auburn's going to make a push for the top. I mean, Auburn was only fifth in points allowed per game last year in that category. It's not like they were that far off. Yeah. Now, of course, they gave up 24 a game, but I think you see Auburn improve a decent amount this year just because of the scheme difference alone. I, I broke down countless times that the nickel was not always the right thing for Auburn to do last year with how poor the defensive line played. It was obvious that they did not have a stud up front that could handle it. That does it for our number one here of On the Line. 
We'll be back. Hour number two coming up. Noah Garner, Lance Dahl with you on ESPN 106.7 and Fox Sports, Central Alabama. On Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga and in Auburn on ESPN 1067 or online on FoxSports983.com and ESPNAU.com. You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Lance Daw. Join the show by calling in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-750. Hour number two of On the Line, Noah Gardner and Lance Dahl with you on ESPN 106.7 and Fox Sports Central Alabama. Happy Friday, everybody. One hour in the Bucks. One more hour to go in your work week. Fill in the blank Friday today. We're about to get into that. But first, number to call 334-321-1390. Text line as well at 334-564-1840. However you want to get in touch with us, that is how you can get in touch with On the Line once again, 334-321-1390 is the number to call. And then the text line, 334-564-1840. Fill in the blank Friday. Of course, no shortage of news across this week at SEC Media Days. We're having we're having an easy time of finding stuff to talk about here now that talking season has begun, and we are nearing only a month away from the start of college football season. What are like, I think on the 26th, it'll be 40 days away from college football so we're getting pretty close man oh man let's go baby i'm so excited this is oh man outside of march madness best time of the year is talking season heading into week one of the college football year then it hits a crescendo when the football season actually does begin and then it's a blur and then sadly we're back into the the terrible time that is nine months eight months without football however long it is but fill in the blank friday here we go we got five right here and if you want to text us call us about it we want to know your answers as well the team that impressed you the most at sec media days was blank i would say as far as as far as coaches that impressed me i would say eli Drinkwitz. i would say missouri and eli Drinkwitz impressed me the most um and then i would say a close second was tennessee why missouri uh, I liked his personality. I liked his confidence. Uh, and just by just by looking at him and having not heard any sound bites or anything from him before, I would have thought he was a little nerdy. I would have not thought he was as confident as he was. Love some of the jabs that he took at different teams across the SEC, and I love the confidence that he has in his program. Man, uh, Missouri's one of those forgotten teams. You know, they they don't necessarily like Chris Stewart. We listened to the press box the other day. Chris Stewart saying they don't exactly fit. Like the culture and the vibe doesn't exactly fit. But let me tell you something. That personality and that confidence definitely fits in the SEC. Favorite quote? I think my favorite quote was him saying, whenever he was asked about potentially rekindling a rivalry with Oklahoma, uh, him saying, man, I kind of like the one we got going with Arkansas. You know, I I can't remember the last time they beat us, so I kind of like what we going on there. (laughs) We got going on. It's fantastic, man. It's fantastic. I was extremely impressed with Tennessee. Elante Taylor was an excellent excellent press conference throughout the whole week. I was extremely impressed with Tennessee – I thought that uh, it, it wasn't that Josh Heupel was one of the best coaches that we saw all week, but 
he talked a lot about his culture and what he was bringing in and caring about his players, and the players really exhibited that and, 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 and reinforced that really well. So I was impressed with what Tennessee had to say, enough to where I was like, man, should I move him up on my media ballot? And then I was like, no, no, don't do that. Don't, don't, don't fall into that trap, right? But I was extremely impressed with, with Tennessee. Um, of course, Alabama and Georgia are always impressive, it seems. They're always extremely eloquent in what they've got to say and always extremely well prepared for what they say when they go to media days. So I, th- I think that's kind of where I stand on it. I thought Auburn knocked it out of the park, though. Auburn might have been a close second to Tennessee also. I thought Auburn had an excellent day. Yeah, I think that if I were to rank uh, rank quality of uh, of, of a, like appearance, I would say Missouri, Tennessee, Auburn all had fantastic things to say. Next one, when Texas and Oklahoma join the SEC, the Big 12 will blank. Cease to exist. Elaborate. I think uh, I think what they will disband and those teams will join other conferences. You don't think that the Big 12 will try and add to it maybe to survive? Potentially, but I think it's more fun if they disband <laughs> and they and they go to other conferences. I'm Definitely losing the power brokers, they're losing the money in the league. And if you add if you add teams, bring in Houston and SMU. And, and is that enough to keep the league afloat? No, but they'll they will they will uh, resort to uh, group of 5 status, at least borderline group of 5 status in my opinion, but it, hey, it, it, it would be, I think it would be fun either way. I'm going to say when Texas and Oklahoma joined the SEC, the Big 12 will disintegrate. <laughs> I, th- I think it's like throwing a piece of wet, it's like wet paper and water, eventually it just pieces away and goes in different directions. I think that's what you're kind of looking at there with, with the Big 12. I, I, I'm with you. I, I think that the Big 12 probably will fall apart. It's more likely that the individuals in those teams, the teams that have any type of clout to it, though they try and find other leagues to go and find, find a way to yeah, find another place to go and play their sports, right? Because the Big 12, once again, I go back to, does Houston and SMU save the league? Probably not. And it, maybe it's more likely that a couple of group of five teams link up with the AAC to grow the AAC rather than those teams leaving the AAC to go into the Big 12. We got two We got two texts here, um, both of them about the Big 12. The Big 12 will go in with some other teams and form a new conference, of, but still call it the Big 12, except they're just going to add more teams. And then the other one says the Big 12 will fall apart. Fall apart is in quotes. Next, Blake, here, when Texas and Oklahoma joined the SEC, the team that has the most to lose is blank. A and M, I think it's got to be A and M. They're they're going to struggle, man. You know, like you were talking in the opening segment, the uh, the 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 pitch to recruits to say, "Come play in the best conference in America. Come play in the SEC." is no longer applicable if Texas joins. And you know, th- those are two prestigious schools as far as the amount of revenue that they bring in uh, in the state of Texas. But I think Texas will just will will definitely start to get a firmer grip uh, on on the state. I think in terms of recruiting. Texas A&M is the obvious answer, I think. I'm trying to trying to dig and see if there are other teams that maybe have something to lose. Texas and Oklahoma are joining the league to gain. I think a better question here also would be: Does Texas what what does Texas and Oklahoma gain from joining the SEC? Uh, status, I guess. Status and the ability to recruit just a little bit better than they are than they are right now. I don't know if their their specific revenue shoots up. Uh, any more than it is right now I think they're all they're all making a pretty good amount of money but I think it's I think status is the most important thing to be honest with you though 
I think there are definitely more reasons outside of that that I just can't think that I just couldn't that I just couldn't think of because I'm not a commissioner because obviously there are a lot of reasons because this has been going on in the works for for apparently quite some time now behind the scenes. Now, another question about this, still tagging along with this, Oklahoma more likely to become a championship regular or more likely to have Ole Miss like super high octane eight win seasons. Ooh, that's a tough one. Because there's a lot of SEC, you know, uh, SEC sunshine pumpers out there, SEC truthers that would say that, oh, if Oklahoma was in the SEC, hey, they'd be a nine-win, eight-win team every year. I, th- I love that I've stumped you on this. Yeah, that's really, really tough. That's really, really tough. I want or eight-win seasons or championships. I'm gonna say championships. Really? I'm gonna say cha- I think they'll compete. I think they will go out there and compete. You think about the trajectory of the SEC right now. You think about Nick Saban's not going to be in the game for much longer. I don't know how much longer Kirby Smart's going to be in the game. You bring in those new coaches, whoever's coaching at Oklahoma, I don't care. They're still a prestigious school. Prestigious school. I think they'll all be in the running. I think it's going to be year in and year out. It's not going to be Alabama over and over and over and over again. I think there will be a little bit of parity at the top. So I'll say championships. I think Oklahoma is a championship caliber program. The SEC preseason poll is blank. Um, This could go in any direction. The uh, one that was released. The results of it, maybe. I think my my gut says wrong. um, But I would say um, not important. Uh, in, in terms of you, you see, you see. This is just—it's kind of for fun, honestly. Uh, because you can't, you can't. It it shouldn't be it, the the SEC preseason poll shouldn't be taken seriously because half of these guys that are p- going to play this season were not on ballots to be picked. Bryce Young was not on a ballot to be picked, and they are going to be talented. They Bryce Young has a pretty good chance to finish in the top three of, uh, of like it, be first team, second team, third team All SEC as a quarterback. So I think it, it it can't be taken too seriously because there there's not there there you can't pick some of the players that will perform this year simply because they didn't start. I'm gonna say the SEC preseason poll is as expected. I don't I'm not shocked by much of this at all. I said throughout the week that I expected Auburn to be picked to finish fifth. I didn't expect Auburn to be much higher than that. Just with the way that the vibe was. I mean, the, the same people that are putting out Athlon, the same people that are putting out. 24-7 sports predictions at CBS, wherever it is, the same people that are voting in those are the same people that are voting at Media Days. It was not going to be any different. So Auburn being at fifth was expected. And then the East, as you said earlier in the show, there, there's, a, there's a real hierarchy there in the SEC East. Now, Kentucky at third, they had a sizable point gap over Missouri. People are buying into the, to the blue checkerboard. They're sipping the Kool-Aid just a little bit. And I'm going to be honest, Noah, I don't necessarily blame them. If they find a quarterback, we've seen Kentucky and Mark Stoops and this coaching staff develop players really, really well. And if they can find a quarterback, whether it be Will Levis, Bo Allen, Joey Gatewood, uh, I think they can be an exceptional team. They just need somebody to manage the game for them in terms of the passing attack. They need somebody that can actually throw a football. It's somebody that they've literally not had for a couple of seasons now. Lynn Bowden was not able to do that well. Terry Wilson was not able to do that uh, do that efficiently. So they need somebody that can go out there and they that can manage the game. If they find that, they could find themselves third in the East because I feel like these other four teams... Out, I, uh, Missouri, eh, but these other four teams have have question marks on on, on their uh, on their 
on their roster, and I think Kentucky just just has a little bit more in terms of 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 you know I guess production and development the the ability to develop so who knows man I think it could happen I didn't predict it to happen I have Missouri ahead of them I have so Kentucky I. at fourth yeah um but you know it could it could I'm not I'm not I'm not mad at that but now the fact that two people think they're going to win the division I wouldn't say I'd go that far but sure third and third in the east could happen more likely that Missouri hits 10 wins or Kentucky hitting 10 wins Ooh, that's tough you know how high I was on Missouri to begin the offseason man um, I'll say, I'll say Missouri simply because that schedule is, is there a lot of, again, there are a lot of 50, 50 matchups that, that could line up Missouri's way if they figure it, figure it out and they get hot. Also the quarterback situation is a lot more certain. And I'll, and I'll tell you, I was very impressed with Drinkwitz as well. And very much so where I, I, I think that they could slot themselves a position where they belong in the East. The team that I trust more mainly only because of quarterback here. I, Kentucky has not proven to me, and, and I don't think any of the players that they've added. Look, Will Levis wasn't even wasn't even the guy at Penn State, and, and he was behind Sean Clifford. Did the quarterback position really get better at Kentucky this offseason? Uh, I don't I don't know. I don't know. I don't think I don't, I, I'll say I'll say this. It didn't improve but the ceiling is still at where where it was last season with Joey Gatewood and Bo Allen in the room. I think they still have the the potential to find that game manager. I think Joey Gatewood could be better than a game manager if if he figures it out. So I don't think it got better, um, but the ceiling is still is still pretty high. Last question here: The Cleveland Guardians branding is blank. Um, lame. <laughs> it's a little lame to be honest with you i don't like the i don't like the name guardians i don't i don't think that's a good franchise like a mascot or whatever they're gonna do with that i just personally it's just like eh, i would have rather had something else i do vibe with the logo though the logo is pretty dope uh but outside of that i lame i like the logo it's growing on me at first i was like yeah this looks like a minor league team but the name definitely i get minor league team vibes like i'm not i'm and, and levi fitzwater actually we were tweeting earlier and he, he said to me that um sounded like an xfl team and i was like no don't tell me that because now i can't unhear it it's right there now i'm going to think of this team as an xfl team guardians just doesn't sound baseball-esque to me now i like the logo i thought the logo looked fly you know like yeah that looked really good and kind of like the winged the winged g's on the side that looked cool too why not have like like Cleveland Flyers might have even been cooler. Ooh, that would have been cool. Now that's a hockey team, but Cleveland Flyers would have been really cool. Or or my personal favorite, and I've said this many times on air, Rockers because of the I Rock like and that. Roll Hall of Fame. They're even playing Rock and Roll on the like Hard Rock on their preview video on Twitter when they released it. That's pretty. Yeah. So I, why not Rockers? Those are two pretty dope names compared to Guardians, man. I would I would get down with Flyers. I would get down with uh, with with Rockers. Um, and you know, honestly, if there wasn't, if there wasn't a Giants already in baseball, I think it would be pretty cool. It's if you had the G and the logo and it was the Giants instead of the Guardians, I could vibe with that just a little bit more. There's just so much that they could have done. I think that would have been a little bit, Guardians just sounded so generic. Now I know that they're, I can't think of another team named Guardians other than the XFL team. Of course, I can't think of another team named that, but it just, it sounded kind of cheesy. Yeah, it's a little cheesy. It is a little cheesy. It, it feels, it doesn't feel professional. If we're talking about professional baseball, I feel like it should be an esports team. Yeah, it feels like it feels like, uh, yeah, it feels like a esports team. There's or, nothing baseball about it. You're watching cornhole on ESPN three, and you've got the team from Cleveland, and they're the Cleveland Guardians. You know, it's 
it's not professional. It's it's not it's not as professional as it could have been. Let's take a quick break here. You're listening to On the Line. You're on the line with Noah Gardner and Lance Dawn, ESPN 106.7 at Fox Sports Central Alabama. Hour number two here. We still got about 40 minutes left in the show. Till the drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Pack following us every weekday here on ESPN 106.7 at Fox Sports Central Alabama. We've had time to digest Texas and Oklahoma's move to the SEC. Lance, is this what you want? Give it to me. I'll take it. I will take the competition. I will take a super conference. I'll do it. Let's do it. Let's commit. I'd love to see Auburn and Oklahoma, or Auburn play Oklahoma and Texas. I'd love to see some of these other rivalries. I'd love to see LSU play Oklahoma and Texas. I'd love to see, you know what's going to be so fun? Is if we get to see Oklahoma and Ole Miss play. Like every other year or e- even every single season. Imagine how 63 to yeah. 59 Oklahoma, Texas Tech games. Isn't it weird how, you know, SEC people in the past have knocked so hard on the Big 12 and the fact that they don't play defense? And then we're adding two of those teams from the conference, and the conference seems like it's trending more towards an offense oriented, uh, like, just conference as a whole like college football football is as a whole so we're probably going to see uh we're probably going to see games like that in the future we're probably going to see um we're probably going to see games where Ole Miss and and Oklahoma are out there scoring 50 and 60 and 70 points and just it's all over the place and Lane Kiffin and Lincoln Riley are just throwing down that's going to be awesome I'm still so torn I think there is a law of diminishing return on competition. Now, do I think that the SEC's best is the ones that... I do not think Alabama will be heavily affected by this. I think Alabama has been better than, obviously, the entire SEC and then Oklahoma and Texas. I can't name a year where I feel like Oklahoma was better than than Alabama, right? Like, I think Alabama's been better than those teams pretty much the entire way through. And, And I think you could say the same for for Georgia as well but I could see Georgia being upset by and they have been beaten by Texas and I think they could be beaten by Oklahoma but I still I, I just I think that there could be a law of diminishing return when it comes to competition there will be there are SEC folks out there saying and they may be the fan of like they may be a Missouri fan or they may be a Mississippi State fan or an Ole Miss fan or an LSU fan and they may be saying be careful for what you wish for and then I'm over here thinking, yeah, but you've got to play them too. And I could see you losing to them also and being brought to the middle of the pack of the SEC a lot quicker than you being better than them all the time. I saw a tweet earlier that said, like, Missouri is 3-25 and against Oklahoma and Texas in, like, the past 10 years or something like that. Like, there are, or, like it might have been all time, actually. But, uh, yeah, y- y- y'all, y'all are talking tough, but y'all, y'all can't win anything in our league. Imagine bringing two two pretty good teams to the conference. I think this is also an opportunity to potentially poke fun at Texas. I'd love to have a, a weekly segment segment saying what did Texas do, and we can just play uh, Sam uh, Sam Ellinger's We're Back with a little bit of music behind it. We could just break down how Texas lost in, in embarrassing fashion to an SEC team. I think that there are, there's a lot of opportunity to poke fun. See, but I don't think that they are. Yeah, but it, it could be. It could be fun, man. It could be fun. I just don't think that either of these two teams are going to fail when they come into the league. Yeah, but I don't think they're winning the conference every year. I think they're going to be good, but I don't think they're going to be winning winning the conf- championship every single year. Now, I think Oklahoma's going to compete. I don't know about Texas. 
like competing at the very, very top, but I don't think they'll be winning every single season. It's going to create parity, but they're not going to come in and dominate. It's like the, is there, there's a reason that Alabama and, and Georgia have been able to beat the, those teams in the past in the playoff. We say that, but Alabama's lost to Oklahoma in the last 10 years. Georgia's lost to Texas in the last 10 years. With those two teams had great squads, and Alabama and Georgia were a little bit down. Now, of course, if Alabama and Georgia have great teams to take care of theirs, the best is going to win the conference. But you can't just, and, and of course, SEC fans and just college football fans in general will say, well, you're, you're, there are going to be teams that are more important than others, right? And those are the teams that are winning championships. That that seems to be the case a lot of times. But there there's currently in the league 12 other teams, I think, that have a lot to lose with these two squads coming in. It could also just – I think it could could potentially be more fun to, to add competition. And it could – who knows? It could elevate the rest of the conference if they are able to beat some of those schools. It could elevate recruiting for them. It could elevate, you know, revenue. I, I, I think there's a lot of opportunity that comes with bringing competition in, as well. I think it, I think it's just a fun. It's a fun idea, and you know, the fact that this has been going on for over a year, me, me, or about a year, somewhere between six months and a year, means that uh, these these. Um, these officials in the SEC and the Big 12, or specifically in the SEC, really are thinking on this and really thinking about all of the different outcomes and options, and they're weighing it. And if that's if they're willing to commit to it, uh, I trust their judgment on it. And and I I totally get that point. I'm I'm I'm. It may sound like I'm afraid of the competition. It really does. But I, I there's going to be more. These teams are now going to be encroaching upon SEC territory and recruiting a lot more than they typically have. I, I don't know if Texas and Oklahoma are just going to stay put in Oklahoma and Texas for recruiting to uh, you, you know, to, to, to use their pipeline to bring players in to make their progress better to be able to compete with the SEC because that hasn't worked really that well up to this point. Once again, I go back to there are 12 other teams in this league that I think have a lot to lose from this, nothing to gain. I'm trying to I'm trying to find where they gain much from adding these two teams because the league's already been better than those two squads for the last 10 years you know so bringing these teams in all it just adds is more more potential to lose right yeah but there's also potential to win and say yeah we're we're as good as a program like texas or oklahoma i get it well here here's my thing right you look at oklahoma and you see them lose to an iowa state or a kansas state every other year they're going to trip up against an Ole miss a mississippi state an lsu and auburn a, a florida a kentucky because you think about it, our conference is, is just as good or better than the rest of the Big 12. If they're tripping up in their own conference, they're going to get they're not going to get killed, but they're going to definitely have some issues against the, the, the middle of the pack. What happens to the rest of college football because of this? It dies. It ceases to exist. I'm kidding. Um, I don't know if some of these programs are going to start trying to form their own super conferences. I don't know if we're going to see more additions. We may see Notre Dame join a conference. Who knows? Uh, I think it creates parity within the SEC, but it doesn't create a lot of parity in the rest of college football. Would you agree with that or no? I think that other conferences are going to do the exact same thing. So I do think that it has the potential to create more parity across college football, but that is so far out for us to be able to tell what the effects of this are. You know, like other super cop, this is the beginning. This is the spark. This is the spark that blows up the counter peg. This is going to be an arms race. Other conferences are going to be looking to do the exact same thing. The SEC is the trendsetter. 
Last year, we played football because the SEC, Big 12, and ACC said we're playing football. And then guess who followed? The Big 10 and the Pac-12. The Big 10 and the Pac-12 tried to be the first teams to set the trend when they said, oh, we're not playing football this year. And then guess what happened? Football still happened, and they ended up being the ones playing football. If anything, at that, if anything, what showed you last year during the pandemic, Big 10 and the Pac-12 don't have a whole lot of clout when it comes to college football. They're followers. The SEC, trendsetters. And them, and the fact that they're now attracting two teams from another conference that was a part of that trend setting last year in Oklahoma and, and, and Texas, they, they're attracting the two best teams of the Big 12. The Big 12 now has no legs, has no arms. And now you, you look at the ACC and they're over here like, we have Clemson. Woo! You know? <laughs> like, we have Clemson, Virginia Tech, NC State, two thumbs up. You know what I mean? Like, that, that they're going to be looking they're like all right now how can we beef up they're going to go grab notre dame they're going to say look guys we want you for football because the acc was the most entertaining it's ever been last year when notre dame was in the league it was more entertaining than it's ever been at least in football it was and now if you can get miami and north carolina to be great teams then you got four good football teams in the acc and they at least can compete at that point they're going to have to go grab some squads they are, and they'll probably gra- grab a couple of AAC teams to get to that 16-team mark. And then you're looking at the Big Ten, and they're like, all right, who can we grab? And they'll probably grab a couple of the Big 12 leftovers. The Big 12 probably will cease to exist. And then the Pac-12 the Pac is like, oh, man, now we have to go grab four Mountain West Conference teams, you know? So I think the Big Ten and the Mountain West, or not the Mountain West, the Big Ten and the Pac-12, they're going to be they're going to be grasping for some teams. The Big Ten's going to be getting some of the leftovers of the Big 12. And then the... Pac-12 is going to – the Pac-12 is really hurt by this because I think they're going to have a hard time grabbing some of those teams to fill out the rest of their conference. But at the end of the day, I do think that college football will feature several super conferences, and it's going to resemble – and you said this off-air a lot like what the NFL does considering now you've got NIL, you've got the transfer portal, players can freely move – the group of five is on the borderline. It's on the brink. I, maybe just Power Five football should just break away from the FBS, right? Is this is that is that the direction we're going? We're going to head to the phone lines now, 334-321-1390. We've only got about 45 seconds left in the segment here, so we're going to head to the lines. Who do we got on the line with this? Is this Spectre? Yeah. Yeah, we've got 45 seconds, right? That's right. Go for it. Food for thought. Drop Vanderbilt at Florida State. Man, Spectre, you're playing with fire. You really want to make this league tough. Oh, what happened to everybody's beat-up game? If we're putting Oklahoma and Texas in there, we might as well go for the full money. Take, take out Vanderbilt and put Florida State in there. What about kick Missouri and Vanderbilt out and add Florida State and Georgia Tech? I don't know about Georgia Tech. <laughs> I'm still trying to have the beat-up game, you know? I would go for Miami instead of Georgia Tech. I hear you. And, you know, it's going to be interesting to see what the rest of college football does, too. I imagine those two teams will stay in the ACC, though. Spectre, we appreciate it. Later. That was Spectre on the line with us. 30 minutes left here on the show. Stay on the line. More of the show when we come back. Back on On the Line, Noah Gardner and Lansdahl with you on ESPN 106.7 at Fox Sports Central Alabama. Number to call, 334-321-1390. Text line at 334-564-1840. Lance, thoughts on Spectre's call. Attic, Florida State, 
Miami, maybe some of those other ACC teams well, dropping Vanderbilt. Well, I mean, I <sighs> I like Vanderbilt. It's good for baseball. Some years basketball, most of the time not, but baseball. I mean, come on. Kind of like you said, it's like I need that I need that game that I can just whip up on somebody, man. I need to I need to keep that on my schedule. And then something else that we didn't necessarily get to a couple of segments ago is not only are they doing this for college football, but we also have to take into account this is for other sports as well, and we need to be thinking about how does that benefit or how Florida is State it would be huge. Yeah, how how does it, how is it a disadvantage uh, for other uh, for other conferences? So or, or for for the SEC rather. So if we were going to get Florida State, I mean for football, I mean they're not doing great right now, so that would be that would be fun at least for for now. But for basketball, that would be great for the competition in the league. I think I think that would be a lot of fun. They'd be the best team in the league at this point. Really? You think so? You think they? I mean, Auburn's great. I'm not saying that they're better than Auburn this year, and Kentucky's great, and typically, but uh, Florida State has been just as good as Kentucky in the last couple of years, if not better than them every single season. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And Florida State's been better than Auburn, I think, the last two three years. Not this year though, and and of course not the Final Four run either. But like. I don't know. I mean, Florida State's been a top four seed most years. Yeah, you know, I mean, they've been in the mix. A respective program. Leonard Hamilton has a respective program. And in baseball, they, you know, they're a nonstop stalwart. Yeah. You know? Now I don't know what this does to baseball because, man, LSU like, Texas rivalry, baby. <laughs> that's going to be hype. And you're going to see maybe at some point some SEC teams sent to regionals that you're going to see some SEC teams sent to regionals with other SEC teams possibly, or maybe just less SEC teams make. You know, less less of a percentage of SEC teams make the postseason, you know? Yeah. But well, you, if, if it's more, I mean, you talk about, you know, the SEC being like, it just means more. Yeah, we have the most teams out of any conference in the, enti- in the entire college football landscape. And yeah, we're, we're sending them all to, uh, to the, the playoffs, the national titles, the, the, uh, the Sweet 16s, the, the regionals. You know, it's, um, it's a way, it's an, just an, an adding those two teams is just, I feel like in all sports, just an extra way for the SEC's grip to tighten on athletics college athletics you said that this could trend towards looking a lot like the nfl explain that so a couple of different media outlets specifically i think i saw the sec network did this where they had an idea it's like listen if we if we went to divvy up these teams uh we could potentially do it in a pod system and what that means is you could have four teams in in four pods and you could play three the other three teams from your pod every single season and then you would just rotate out with the other pods as to like who you played right so the reason that 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 I say it's NFL like is cuz that's literally what the NFL does they have their four different teams in the AFC and the NFC and they have them in their little pods and in the east and the west and the north and the south divisions and then they play each other and then they rotate out on their schedule i mean it's literally how the NFL format works another thing interesting to note is that players are finally being compensated players get compensated in the NFL as well and then you take into account the transfer portal where anybody can go where they want for one time <coughs> free I mean, agency yeah free agency <laughs> it's very similar to uh, what we're seeing with free agency so yeah uh, you said this uh, about a month or so ago whenever we kicked off uh, NIL amateurism if it's not dead already it's on its deathbed and we're seeing the game specifically for the Southeastern Conference. Also said the NCAA was in trouble too. Exactly, it, it's, <laughs> it's trending towards it's trending towards more of a, an NFL style system. Fundamentally, the game is changing. The SEC is getting more seats at the table, right? They are control. They have a higher controlling stake of the NCAA. 
the more teams, like literally the SEC owns more of college football than everybody else if Texas and Oklahoma join the league. And I, I said this in last segment, kind of mapping it out. I think this is the beginning. This will be the beginning of an arms race for other leagues trying to compete with the SEC. The only way that they compete is if they add other teams. Well, now the Big 12, I'm sure these other institutions, I mean, they're having meetings right now probably on how do, how do we proceed without these guys? All of the money's leaving the league. All of the major power brokers are leaving the league. Oh, no, now Iowa State's the best team in the Big 12. How did this happen? This is literally the Iowa State apocalypse, you know? Like, what about Matt is, Campbell's thinking? He's like, I'm now in control. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, but like literally – the. Oklahoma State and Iowa State are the best two teams in the Big 12 at the moment. It's it's bewildering <laughs> that that this is what has occurred, you know? And, and I wonder if the Big 12, like if these other schools are thinking, yeah, they're all having a meeting, they're all looking at each other like, how can we save this? But all internally behind them, their camps are saying, all right, which conference are we going to? Where are we dropping, <laughs> where, boys? Where, yeah, where, where are we going next? Are we going to the SEC? Are we going to the Big Ten? Are we going to the Pac-12? Hang on, repeat what you said. Tex, or Iowa State and Oklahoma State and those teams would potentially be your best teams in your conference. Is that a Power Five conference? Is that really a Power Five conference? You know, Kansas is over here like, we still want to hoop in the Big 12, guys. <laughs> like, this is our league, it's you like, know? <laughs> we don't care. We're still beating y'all every year in basketball. I mean, shoot. I've heard rumors, though, about Kansas potentially then moving to the Big Ten. What is that about? Rumors or just, like, graphics of saying this could be how it shaked out? Because I haven't seen any news about Kansas trying to move leagues. I think it's more of just like, well, this is what it might look like one day. Would you want? Would you think that would be beneficial for Kansas, or do you think they should stay in the Big 12 so they can dominate in basketball? See, I, I wonder if the Big 12 is even going to exist at that point. You know, that's that's the thing. Like, can you at some point – I mean, the Big 12 doesn't even have 12 teams in it right now. You know, how, how, how there are 10 in it at the moment? There's 10 in it. Now it there's about to be just eight. It's about to be the Big 8. So – they need to double their conference to meet super conference level, right? And are you really going to be able to find eight other teams in college football to make your conference still even as remotely good as what the Big Ten can do and what the ACC is going to be able to do and what the Pac-12 is going to be able to do? Those yep. teams are all going to cherry pick. The Big 12 is the one that is that is left out in all this. If anything, the Big Ten is going to say, hey, come over here. We can offer you security. We can offer you we can offer you a nice place to play where we we have our TV network, you know, with Fox. Like we've got all this stuff. What do you have right now, you know? And Big 12 is like and, and, and honestly some of the teams in the northern part of the Big 12 at the moment it makes sense for them to go to the Big Ten. It makes sense for Iowa State to go and join up with rival Iowa in the Big Ten. I think it makes sense for Kansas and Kansas State to head north and try and play basketball in that league and capitalize off of that. They're still going to be terrible in football, but I, I think that it makes sense for them to move up there. It makes sense. Honestly, Kansas State and Kansas, they've had some more so Kansas State, they've had some okay baseball teams recently. It kind of elevates baseball in the Big Ten as well to see those schools go up there because they're they're more prone to you know playing baseball rather than some of those Big Ten schools. Question to you. Does this, if this move happens, impact the current college football playoff model and it does it impact the potential college football playoff model, the 12-team model that we could be seeing uh, college football move to? I don't think so. Um it could, though, to a degree, though, because I, I'm still also trying to figure out what happens to the group of five, you know, because this is something that Jeremy Law and I have talked about many a time is what happens at, at some point, shouldn't the FBS just break away and say we have, you know, 60 or so teams or whatever it would be, like 64 teams, 16 times four, how, what, how much is that? Is it 64? 
Let's do quick math here, Lance. I'm sorry, I'm journalism major. Lost all ability to do math. I can still do math. 64, right? So you got 16, you got four power conference, 16 teams in each. You got 64 squads. Half of college football, literally, or almost half of college football, gone, right? And it's like, just go and make your own mega NFL. And Greg Sankey is Thanos in this it's, situation. It's the it's the double NFL, like it's a double version of the NFL. And go and do your own playoff, 12 teams or something like that. So about third of your, not a third, what am I talking about? <laughs> You know, nearly a sixth of your of your model is making the the championship and or the championship playoff series and play that out. And now, maybe you have a couple of bowl games for the teams that didn't get into that mix if they wanted to play it. I don't know, but I think that would be maybe be. I think that's what we're trending towards. I really do. I don't know how the group of five can keep up with this because they are going to be cherry picked as well. Yeah, think about that. Like the ACC is like, all right, well, how are we going to get to sixteen? Because how many the ACC needs to go and get two teams? It's like where are they going to pull from? They're going to get Notre Dame and they're going to go get one group of five team. I don't know who that group of five teams going to be, but they're going to go and get one group of five team. And then the Pac-12 is going to have to go and take some Mountain West schools to fill their quota. They might get one or they might get one Big 12 school probably, or a couple of Big 12 schools maybe. But like I think the group of five is going to be very alienated by this. Yeah, I think so. It, you know, honestly, uh, man, I forgot what I was going to say. I had something important to say, and I and I completely dropped the ball on it. But sixty four teams. I mean, yeah, it's essentially snapping the it's snapping the game in half. Greg Sankey's Thanos in this situation. Um, I mean, how is the group of five even relevant in this? Yeah, they they are they are gone, man. They are they are they're gone. Uh, yeah, they it, can go and compete in their own. Like I'll still watch that football. I will still watch on Tuesday night Kent State play Akron or something like that. I'll still watch that because I love football. Keep playing football, please. But go and make your own college football playoff what's going to happen another division is there it's going to be instead of the cfl canadian football league we're just going to call the 64 team uh league the the cfl the college football league and it's just it's just the college version of the nfl there you go i I think very much so that's what we're heading to when you said that in my office earlier i was like huh wow that does feel like it this is going to turn into a like a doubled version of the nfl almost like a farm league for the nfl you know i mean because i mean this is I, I don't. I don't think Group of Five football is going to cease to exist or anything like that. But I, I don't think they're going to be playing in the same ten real, ten years from now. They very well may not be playing in the same realm as the FBS. The reason that I say that it might impact this current college football playoff um, format is because you're just adding two other teams that compete for for that that's that fourth spot in the college football playoff, right? And so they if they finish the season and they don't get to that SEC title game with maybe that just one loss to Georgia or if that one loss to Alabama, you could see you could see two or three two or three teams make it into that four team playoff, you know? It, it just depending on how the rankings shake out. Also, do not tell yourself that oh, we're we're a really long way away from this happening, right? Mm-hmm. Don't tell yourself that because guess what happened overnight? Texas and Oklahoma were joining the SEC overnight. Snap of a finger. Happened. Out of nowhere. There was no news about this. And now apparently you find out that it was happening at six months in the working, right? Like, this just came out of nowhere. Don't tell yourself that the, that the fact that college football may change this dramatically won't happen overnight because this was the domino that fell. And I think at the end of the day, there's going to be other super conferences. And once you get all these other super conferences together, it could happen overnight. You've already seen stories in the last year and a half of outside organizations saying that FBS should break away from the NCAA and that even power conferences should break away and do their own thing. There has been that recommendation before, and the NCAA has lost more and more power every single year with all these court cases. Don't you just 
don't don't think that it couldn't happen overnight because it, it it will snap up and, and, and ten years from now you'll be like what happened. I think the reason that this was kind of kept under wraps is so that the NCAA couldn't do anything about it. They're just, I think I think I think college football programs and conferences are trying to step away from the NCAA, and I think this is a is a big step away from them. Well, the NCAA, I don't think, could have done anything about it to begin with. But, man, like, they're probably thinking, what is happening right now? <laughs> I mean, if they, they're probably thinking the same things that we are. Like, how long is it until they don't they don't need us anymore? You know? Yeah. Because they're all consolidated together. They're getting bigger. You know, they are they're adding more of a controlling state into college football. At one point, you had all these different leagues. You had 10, 11 different conferences, and everybody was divided. Now, leagues are unifying. And they're going to have more of a deciding and controlling power when they come to the table. And they could all make the decision to say, hey, we're going to make our own league. Yeah, it's like it's like uh it's like that 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 uh USSR, that communism meme where it's just like, no, it's it's like, oh, it's their league. Well, actually it's our league, it's everybody's league, baby. We're all playing in the same thing. Interesting. <laughs> I didn't expect that to come out of your mouth today, but I, that, I guess that's valid. <laughs> I have not said said meme. I have not seen said meme yet. I'll show it to you. Break. <laughs> well, let's take that break then. Show it to me in just a moment. We'll be back. Back on On the Line, Noah Gardner and Lance Dahl with you on ESPN 106.7 at Fox Sports Central Alabama talking at length about Texas and Oklahoma's potential move to the SEC, and I'm sure we'll be talking about this for a little while. I hope people don't get tired of it because it seems like every day something new coming out on the news trail because, what, did this break like on Wednesday? It did, yeah. Then there was just something new every day, and the time period for them joining the league moves from, oh, well, this will happen somewhere down the line not this year, and then some people says, oh, this might happen six weeks from now, and then you see some stuff like, oh, no, this is happening, like, tomorrow. I have <laughs> it's an like, article. It's not happening tomorrow, but, like, within the next two weeks. I have an article pulled up that was literally written an hour ago that says Oklahoma, Texas could be in the SEC by next week. I don't believe I that. I don't believe but. that, but we went from, like, oh, hey, this might happen. This uh, I honestly thought it was just, whenever we first talked about it on our show, in that Houston Chronicle article, I thought that it was just kind of like just a clickbait thing, and then it grew, and then it grew, and then it grew, and all of a sudden, oh, this may be happening within the next month. It's it's absolutely wild, and I don't think it was a coincidence that the news broke while Jimbo Fisher of Texas A&M was about to take the podium. Honest question. I want your honest answer. I'm ready to be honest. Is this good for Auburn? No. I Why? Th- I don't think so. Because if, if Brian Harson doesn't figure it out, man, and Auburn's on that either even keel trajectory or if they are on a downward trajectory, having to play Texas or Oklahoma is not going to be beneficial. It is not Missouri. It is not Vanderbilt. It is not South Carolina. This is Texas, and this is Oklahoma. I would rather play those teams that I just previously mentioned over the, the two schools from the Big 12. I'll say this. If they go with the pod system, I think it's going to be fine. If they go, honestly, like, I think that there is a way for this to work out just fine. Now, there will be some years where your schedule will be absolutely ridiculous. I don't think Auburn's schedule is going to be absurd. Recruiting, this hurts Auburn 100%. This hurts Auburn bad in recruiting, which ultimately will hurt Auburn on the field. Because if you're not recruiting well, well, you're not going to play well. Because you need, Jimmy's and Joe's are better than X's and O's, 100%. Um, so it hurts Auburn in that way. But looking at the way scheduling could be, and I've seen divisions, I've seen pods, 
Auburn's not going to get loaded up with Oklahoma, Texas, Florida, Georgia, Alabama, Tennessee, all on the same schedule. That's not going to happen. Whether they have divisions or pots, that just will not happen. They're going to have some, they're going to have on average a harder schedule most times, but I, I don't think that they're going to be uh, just annihilated with just the most difficult schedule on the planet. But then again, um, it is Auburn. Hey, I just want to take a look at uh, the, the recruiting rankings again real quick. Um, so I'm looking at it right now, and Auburn's still sitting at last, and they only have six commitments, and everybody else in the conference now has at least 10. Some are at 15, some are at 16, some are at 12. Vanderbilt's at 18. Who cares about them, though? Texas and Oklahoma are joining the league, dude. Don't talk about that. <laughs> I'm just, for Auburn, you talk about the recruiting being bad. Um, I'm getting closer and closer to red on our traffic light. I'll just say, I'll say that I'm well, the start of the season's right around the corner, you know? Yeah. Just like uh, first couple of weeks of August will be huge. Yeah. And I, I said, like, I expect Auburn to pick up a couple of guys to, before the season. And then I expect during the season, Auburn to, to, to have the success. But in this class, we, we didn't expect it to be big or anything, but last in the sec, I don't, I, mm. It's like Christian Clemente said, not meeting expectations at the moment. Nope, no, they, they're not, and I would like to see them pick it up a little bit. That's concerning. Yeah, I'm still on yellow. I think if they have a good season, if they shock some people, uh, I think they'll be just fine when it's all said and done. Um, but you're going to have to do better than fifth in the West. Yeah, and I think the reason that they, they, are, um, they are so low on recruiting right now is simply because they don't have those commits. Um you look at some of the other teams, I mean, Vanderbilt, all they've got is a bunch of three stars. Um, I'm pretty sure Auburn can recruit a little bit better than them. Uh, when you look at a team like Ole Miss, they they have three, four stars. Um, let's see, anybody else higher? No, I mean, LSU's got seven. Georgia has 10. Alabama has eight. A&M has seven. South Carolina has three. Mississippi State has zero. They're sitting at eight. Tennessee has one, um, but they have uh, five more three stars than Auburn does. So Auburn's just got to get bodies in the room, man. And um, I would really like to see them get that uh, four-star running back out of Georgia here within the next couple weeks. When does he – doesn't he commit soon? Do, is it Damari Alston? I think it's like next week. I think it's pretty – I think that's when you're looking at it. I think it's like next week. But, yeah, you're talking about Alston. I, th- I, think, his, I think his commitment is next week. I may be off, but I think it is. Well, fingers crossed that they get him. He, he, yeah, the, the, actually, he's announcing two days from now. July 25th is when the uh, – the, So Sunday. Yeah, the four-star – uh, so yeah, it was next week. I was right. Yeah, and he's uh, let's see, he's got six crystal balls, um, and all of them are for Auburn. So fingers crossed that Auburn picks up this kid. That'll be real momentum there, and that probably will leap Auburn ahead of somebody in the league. I don't think they'll be dead last at that point. That'll be the that'll be the that'll be the hallmark commitment in this class. I think we got another text here from Specter, and I'll just say the last four texts from Specter have said blinking red light, but this one says flashing red. Uh, like he's he is he's now he's on the he's on the, the panic side of the panic the panic button so or the panic specter he's on he's on the he's on the other side of it right now so I I don't I wouldn't necessarily say that that I'm there but I'm closer to red than I was before I just need to see Auburn gets just put a, get put a four star on the class man it can all be erased with good transfers and a really good, if if you have a good year if you have a good year this year you win nine games you do what I think they're gonna do. If you do what I think they're going to do in the SEC media ballot when I had them picked second, you you go win nine, ten games this year, you will rectify that. Yeah. You'll start getting recruits and all of this stuff that you hear about it being business and, and football related and that, you know, we're about winning here. It's real hard nose. That that stick will work. All right. That will work. 
Right now, people got to see it first. It legitimizes itself um, when when you win. Don't forget all the transfers Auburn's gotten as well this season. And I think they'll hit the transfer portal again this year. That's it for another edition of On the Line. We'll be back with you tomorrow or, well, Monday, I guess. Man, it doesn't feel like Friday. I'm not going to lie. Not at all, no. <laughs> not after SEC Media Days. We'll be back here on Monday. So long, everybody.